Hey, good morning, church. My name is Daniel, and I'm the pastor here. So glad you could join us for worship today. I hope you're ready to dig into the scriptures. Hope you have a copy of God's Word, hopefully near you, around you. Go grab one. If you don't, I uh, love for people to have a copy of the Bible to mark up, to put some notes in. That's so helpful as we study. Also, uh, today we are observing the Lord's Supper or communion, as was mentioned earlier. And so if you hadn't had a chance to prepare those elements for yourself and for your believing family members, you may want to do that now um, and uh, take care of that. Also, just want to welcome all of you who are our first-time guests. If you're a very first time checking us out online, thank you. What a privilege it is to have you, and uh, feel free. We'd love to connect with you. Lots of ways to do that. One of those is through our text line. You can text the word CONNECT. Uh, just text that word to 757 757- Two three nine thirty nine ninety three, and that'll appear throughout the service as well. And I won't spam you. Just allows us to know that you're new. Help you get connected uh, some different ways in our church. Uh, for everybody, uh, you could also, if you have a prayer request, you could text the word "pray" to that same number seven five seven. Two three nine thirty nine ninety three, and then brand new for all of our uh, members and attenders, all those who are regular Plaza folk, uh, you can text the word loop, like so you can be in the communication loop. Just text the word loop, L-O-O-P, to that same number, and, uh, and this will sign you up for uh, regular text messages we send out about events, things that are changing as we you know, look towards the future, hopefully uh, one day coming back to worshiping in person, gathering back at the building. All those sorts of things will come to you. It's a very great way. And you can, you can text us. You can ask us questions, questions about the message. Awesome way to communicate. And so I want to let you know about that as we have um, um, you know, this new technology available to us. So hopefully, again, you have a copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Hebrews 10 as the Scripture was read for you. And I'm uh, going to look at just a couple verses there and navigate this series here. You have heard this series all throughout this uh, previous month, and now here we are in February. Um, and uh, it's called Abide. This is the way. Helping us abide in Christ from this passage in the Gospel of John 15, where we abide. He is the vine and we are the branches. We take our nourishment. That word abide means to live in. We want to live in Christ, gaining strength, gaining power for him. We do that by abiding in his word, by prayer, silence, and solitude, uh, by fasting. And, and we're practicing fasting uh, this week. And so hopefully you had your first day and were able to do that. If you didn't do it on Friday, that's okay. Uh, navigate it today. Plan another day this week. Navigate it and join us in this opportunity to abide in God. But to the title of today's message, as we get ready to, and if you're saying, what is this whole thing, this is the way about, comes from a show called The Mandalorian. And um, it's about this guy, and they have a certain way of living, and they often say, this is the way. Anytime they kind of repeat one of their codes, this is the way. And uh, Christians, we have a way of living. And so we say, this is the way to abide in God with our Bibles daily, reading the scriptures. This is the way. To abide in prayer. This is the way. To abide in fasting. And then today, we're abiding in community. We need Christian community This is the way of Christians. Every Christian needs to be connected to a local church and and to be engaged in relationships within that church, not just attending 
the church. And as uh, a pandemic has sort of changed the way we do things, uh, praise God we're able to meet this way via technology. But we know there's got to be even more personal interaction, some phone calls and some text messages and emails and, um, and, and socially distant appropriate uh, meetings um, based upon your convictions of uh, who you can and cannot come in contact with. But we know we need those things. We need to abide in community and make a commitment to the local church. Uh, that is hugely important uh, because God has called us, according to the, uh, the greatest commandment, someone had come up to Jesus one time and asked him, and said, Master, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in all of the scripture? And Jesus replied to him. He said this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. He said the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We were made for community and to live in community. And so the title is Abide in Community. This is the way. But I gave it a subtitle, and you can uh, put in the chat which title you like better. Uh, The subtitle is this, Stop Dating the Church. So it can be Abide in Community. This is the way. Or it can be stop dating the church. Pastor, what do you mean dating the church? Well, you know how it is when uh, folks are dating. And, um, and some folks can date for years and years and years. Or folks can get engaged for years and years and years. And never make that commitment and step across the line and actually commit and marry somebody. And uh, this is free advice for all the young people out there, men and uh, young men, young women, teenage girls. Look, if, if somebody is engaged to you for multiple years and they don't have the guts to commit, you just need to drop them like a bad habit. All right. If uh, you don't need to be engaged for 27 years. All right. Now, I don't, I don't know. Don't also say yes on the first date. OK, don't be like um, Elsa or Anna from Frozen and just say yes to any you know, crazy person, all right? But you also don't need to be dating for thousands of years. You get to know somebody in a certain period of time and they either make a commitment to you and have enough integrity and love and care for you or, or leave them, all right? If they don't uh, love you enough to make that commitment and put a ring on it, then leave them alone, all right? So stop dating the church, though, is what we're talking about. Stop dating the church. Some folks like to just date the church. They like to be what I call um, spiritual consumers. They want to consume the stuff that the church, the benefits of the church, but they don't want to be spiritual contributors. But the Bible has called all Christians to be spiritual contributors and not consumers. And so I have a couple phrases for you we're going to put on the screen. And, um, and my kids were even asking me about what these phrases mean. The first phrase is this, there are no solitary saints, no solitary saints. What, what do you mean no solitary saints? That means that there are no Christians that live in this solitary confinement. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. And even the Lone Ranger, if any of you know who knew the, the Lone Ranger is, had Tonto right? And um, so there are no solitary saints. Some people think the most spiritual people in the world are are the hermits and the monks who can go live in a monastery or who can go up on a mountain and commune with God all by themselves and live that way. And those are the most holy people, way holier than us. And, um, And I'll just be honest with you. It's easy to live holy when you're by yourself. It's easy to live holy when you're single. You don't have anybody to bother you, to to invade on your space, to take your snacks out of the cabinet, uh, to to leave the toilet seat up, uh, to use the last little bit of toilet paper to, um, you know, to to get in your face with bad breath, you know. And and so, listen, it's it's not the, the most holy people who are these solitary saints. No, there's no such thing as a solitary saint 
You know, it's easy uh, when you're by yourself and you don't have any coworkers or uh, classmates to bother you, companions or even cousins to bother you, right, uh, to work on your nerves. And, um, uh, you know, so that's not the way it is. Here's another phrase that we'll give you. Uh, we like to say around here, if you believe, you belong. If you believe, you belong. And, um, and, and man, we are called not just to believe in God, but we are called to belong to the family of God. In fact, the Bible refers to the church as a body, a, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. And we're all different body parts. Now, just imagine, right, um, you, as you're watching this, you're a, a, a body part, okay? You're a body part. Some of you are hands. Some of you are feet, some of you are eyes and ears, um, some of us are legs and arms, some of us are armpits, let's just be real. I'm just kidding, if you don't know who the armpits are, don't look at the people around you, right? And um, I mean, we're all different body parts, we're internal organs, we're spleens and lungs and kidneys and hearts and intestines, we're all of those things, um, and we are the body Right, but listen, what happens if I take a body part? What happens if I take a spleen and um and I pop it right out of my body and I just go pop and I got my spleen sitting out here outside my body? What's gonna happen to the spleen? It's not gonna function very well. It's gonna shrivel up and die. The same thing is true with Christians, listen to me now, who are not connected, who are not committed to a local church. This is so important. And again, even in the middle of a pandemic, you can still be committed to a local church. And my prayer is for everybody watching this, everybody listening to this, that you would make a commitment to a local church. Notice I said a local church. Doesn't have to be this local church. Um, I know some of you are watching from out of town and we praise God for you that God has brought you into our ministry. And, and man, we are uh, just so thankful that God has brought you in a, a, as part of our kind of digital e-family, if you will. But, but my challenge to you is, is to be able to um, teach you the word of God and have you make that commitment and honor God in some way and say, how can I you know, make a commitment to a local church? And, uh, and so listen, again, it doesn't have to be this church could be uh, another church. You may not like all the things that we do here, uh, but we're, there are hundreds and thousands of other churches where we could help you get plugged in and you can make a commitment. You know the difference is between commitment and involvement, don't you? The difference between commitment and involvement, I think, is summed up in this cute little story I heard about farm animals. And um, the farm animals were on the farm one day and they heard that the farmer, old farmer John, uh, was having a birthday. And these animals, they love Farmer John. He was a nice farmer, kind and gentle, just a sweet man. And uh, they said, man, we want to do something special for Farmer John's birthday. And uh, what are we going to get him? And they started talking with the cows and the chickens and the pig and, and little Charlotte's web spider came down there and the ducks and the donkey and the little rat came out too. And they, they said, what are we going to get the farmer for his birthday? And they said, well, uh, you know, well, let's, let's, let's get him some hay. And now oh, can't get him hay or let's, let's get him a flower. And I don't think he's going to like a flower. And they went through these ideas. And then finally, um, the chicken came in and uh, one of the, uh, the, 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 the female chickens came in and, um, and she said, hey, I just came from the house and I overheard the farmer talking to his wife and he told his wife that his favorite meal is eggs and bacon. 
eggs and bacon. So guys, I've, I've got the goods. Listen, we don't have to worry about all this stuff. All we need to do is get the eggs and the bacon. And so me and the pig will take care of this and it'll be solved. No problem. We'll give the farmer his best birthday ever. And the pig all of a sudden said, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. This is not a great idea. And the, the chicken said, well, why not, dearie? And, and the pig said, look, you, you're going to be involved, but I'm going to be the one committed to this. Now, if you know how bacon is made and how eggs are made, you understand the difference here. The pig would have to give his life in order to uh, make the farmer's birthday. And, um, and that's the difference between commitment and just involvement. Some people want to be involved with the church and, and just be kind of floating around and dating the church and never make that commitment to covenant. We have something at Plaza called covenant memberships. We ask all of our members to covenant together to love one another. Four basic commitments to protect the unity of uh, the church, you know, to make sure that unity is a priority, to serve in a ministry and to honor God's name with our, our walk. Not in perfection, but, but we're uh, submitting ourselves to the authority of the Bible and, um, and, and partaking in serving and serving in different things. And so we have those four commitments things that are only in the Bible, not anything we ask people to do extra. And, uh, and really, uh, there are things in the Bible that, that the Bible plainly asks every Christian to do. We don't ask members of Plaza to do anything that is outside the Bible. Uh, we believe very strongly that we're just called to do what the Bible says, and, and that's it. And so we have something here called covenant membership, and we'll be reminding our members of that. Every couple of years, we kind of renew the covenant and say, listen, I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Renew your covenant. And so uh, making that commitment to a local church. Another sort of phrase that we use is this. You are formed, uh, Pastor Rick Warren said this, you are formed for God's family. We'll put that on the screen. We, you are formed for God's family and um, to be part of a family. And you know this, we teach this in our new members class, which is a great way to kind of start your connection to a church. Most churches have that, and, uh, and we have that, and we'll be uh, presenting one of those digitally here uh, soon. And uh, you can sign up on a connection card or text us um, on, on either of those things, uh, any of those numbers there, the the connect or pray or loop, and uh, we'll give you that information. And, um, and so, but you are formed for God's family. And you, you know this, in our new members class, we teach this, uh, this truth reminding people that, um, listen, a, a Christian that is not part of a family is just like a child that's not part of a family. They're an orphan. That's what we call someone who is not connected to a family. They're an orphan. And so you don't want to be an orphan Christian. You're part of God's family. And the most beautiful thing is that we're, we're part of God's worldwide family. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue all across the globe, every Christian gets to be part of the universal church. And that's so beautiful. But we're called to be part of the family. And so, you know, one of the things, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, I think in our age, I struggle with commitment. Uh, I don't know if you struggle with commitment, but I, I do. And um, uh, and, and it's, maybe it's part of my generation, part of our culture. We just, we, we can't seem to commit to anything. People struggle to commit to, um, you know, political parties, their jobs, um, uh, you know, marriages. Uh, even now, the cell phone companies are realizing this. They, they realize, and they've changed all of their plans over to no contract. You know, before you used to have to sign a two-year agreement with Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile, two-year agreement. And, um, and uh, now, no, you, you, no contract, because they realize people don't really like to commit to that. And, um, and I, I miss the old two-year um, contracts, because when, when you did the two-year contract, they would subsidize your phone, and, and you'd get a phone, or at least I would get a phone, for like a buck, 
Man, I love to get a phone for a dollar. I love that. And uh, one time, uh, one of our men here, he was making fun of me because I bought my phone for a dollar, but I had to pay $10 for the case. And I, and I was lamenting that. And, uh, and he says, so what you're telling me, uh, Mackie, is this. Um, your case is worth more than your phone. And, um, and uh, you know, it's just kind of funny to think about that. But here is the reality is that we just live in a low commitment or no commitment world. I struggle with this when we go out to eat, my wife and I, you know, um, when we get a chance to get away from the kids and go to a restaurant. And it's been a long time since we've done that, uh, especially with the pandemic going on. But back in the days when we used to go to restaurants, um, man, it's like this is our chance to get out. We've got a gift card or this is our one chance to, to eat something special special that we don't have to make it. Man, we've got to make a good choice. And we have a hard time. You know, the waitress is like, or the waiter's like, are you guys ready yet? We're like, no, we can't make a commitment because it's like, do we get something we know we like um, and, uh, and know we get a good thing? Or do we go and try something new? Because, you know, we're out at a restaurant. This is our chance to try something new. And what if we don't like it? We have a hard time making a commitment. When I go to a buffet, my family loves to make fun of me. When I go to a buffet, man, they're just like laughing at me because there's so many choices at the buffet. And I can't pick. I can't make a commitment to what food I want. You know what's even worse than the buffet are the cafeterias, especially the cafeterias where they have a line and you can't get out of line. See, at, at a golden crown, I can kind of look at everything before I, before I make my choice. But you go to like uh, some of y'all remember the old K&W cafeterias or um, uh, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the Piccadilly's, right? Uh, some different cafeteria type food. And, and you would get in this line and there would be these poles so you couldn't get out of line. And so you would have to choose your meal and choose your vegetable and choose your dessert and drink and all that sort of stuff. And, um, but sometimes there was stuff at the end. There might have been a pudding at the end or a fruit cup at the end that I wanted instead of the pie. And so I have a hard time committing. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you got some severe issues. And you're right. I do. I hope you'll pray for me. Okay, but these are just some of the ways that I'm talking about commitment. And here is the reminder that I want to give you is that commitment always builds character. Anytime we make a commitment to something, it builds our character. It strengthens us. And, um, and, and as I said before, right, there's no solitary saints. You, uh, you know, you are formed for God's family. And if, and if you believe, you are called to belong to God's family and not just believe. And so being committed to a local church is important. And when you make that commitment, it shapes you. It builds your character. Think about Olympians. No one just goes out and says, I'm going to be an Olympian. No, what do they do? They make a commitment to be an Olympian. And then that changes, that shapes their daily life. Every day now, when they make that commitment, they know they got to work out. Otherwise, man, when they get to the Olympics, it's going to be a huge failure. Uh, when I would run and sign up for various races, I knew that if I never made that commitment and paid my money, I wouldn't practice and train as much as I normally would. But all of a sudden, when I pay that money and I sign up, I know this date is coming where I've got a race. And uh, man, I have got to put in the practice day in and day out. So it changes what I do on a daily. The same thing is true as when you commit to a local church. It changes what you do daily. Commitment is needed for every area of life. We become better, okay? No one is naturally great. Nothing great actually happens without commitment, right? If you want to eat healthy, if, if uh, one of your resolutions this year was to eat healthy this year, well, guess what? You know what it requires? Commitment. It's, it's not information's not the problem. Everybody and their mama knows that donuts aren't good for you, that ice cream at nine o'clock at night, not good for you, but we still do it. Information is not the problem. The problem is commitment. I haven't committed to a healthy lifestyle. 
You need commitment if you're going to make a car payment, right? I mean, you need commitment in school if you're a student, right? If you want to do well in school, you got to commit to doing your homework and studying. It's everywhere you go in your marriage. You have to make a commitment. You can't have a solid marriage if you don't have a commitment that says, I'm sticking with you come uh, anything, fire, flood, troubles, difficulties, divorce is a, is a, a word that will not be spoken in our house. And, and I'm going to make a commitment to you. And so this is kind of what we're talking about. And this is a necessary part of abiding in community. And so um, I want us to look at a couple of quotes here, actually really just one quote. Um, actually, as we start here in February uh, is Black History Month. And man, been so privileged to know so many folks that I think are historical figures uh, that may not make the textbooks or uh, those sorts of things, but so many people even in our church that I think are uh, man, just uh, amazing people and role models that have influenced my life and um, of all different backgrounds and colors. But um, it was interesting as I've studied theology and church history for so many years, just some interesting things. I wanted to share this quote with you from a couple of the early church fathers and um, um, named Augustine and Cyprian. And if you know anything about church history, uh, there are some guys that came on the scene after the apostles. They call them the early church fathers. And if you've ever studied anything about church history, uh, their names are Origen and Tertullian and Cyprian. And Augustine uh, was one of just the, the major ones. And uh, Augustine is uh, or was the bishop in North Africa. And he was perhaps the greatest, uh, wrote one biographer, the greatest Christian philosopher of antiquity and certainly the one who exerted the deepest and most lasting influence. We're going to show you a couple pictures here of Augustine and put those on the screen. And uh, the writer goes on to say this, certainly he was the one uh, who had this tremendous authority in theological matters, and his authority was universally accepted in Latin, um, in the Latin Middle Ages, and remained in Western Christian tradition, virtually uncontested even until the 19th century. His impact, the impact of, of his views on sin, grace, freedom, and sexuality on Western culture can hardly be overrated. And, um, and so uh, what, why am I telling you this about this guy named um, Augustine? Well, uh, because I want to show you a, a quote that's actually attributed to him and, and uh, a guy who came before him as a pastor um, in North Africa. And um, uh, the quote goes like this, says this, he who does not have the church as his mother does not have God as his father. And uh, he, he wrote this, um, uh, Cyprian actually wrote this uh, in about the early 200s. And these guys shaped and influenced. These guys were just awesome theologians. They were combating uh, the early heresies that were coming at this brand new church uh, that was just still a couple hundred years old. But I wanted to show you a couple pictures of them. I believe we have the pictures um, and we'll put them. There we go. Yes. And uh, why am I showing you this picture here? Um, okay, so they're telling me the pictures are not working. So we'll put them in uh, after this. And um, why am I showing you this picture uh, and these pictures of, uh, these are pictures of Augustine. If you look him up, you'll find a bunch of pictures like this. And again, he was one of the early church fathers. And why am I mentioning this now here at um, uh, February and Black History Month because it's important because some people say, well, what, we, don't, we don't need black history. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's no white history and this sort of stuff. And I think we, we forget um, that much of the history has been glossed over or erased. And, and in our 
country and in other countries, we, we usually try to elevate, unfortunately, negative stereotypes of different groups of people um, that, that are falsehoods and lies instead of allowing um, the true history to be told. And so these pictures present a man who actually is of African descent. But notice the, this picture and go back to the other picture. Um, this is not what Augustine uh, looked like. Uh, he probably looked something like this third picture that we'll put up there. Um, that's probably what he looked like. But this is a very difficult picture to find. And, and people have studied um, uh, Augustine and Cyprian in the church for thousands of years. These guys were alive in the early 100s and 200s, over 2,000 years ago. And uh, Catholics, Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, people of all denominations have studied their works because they are phenomenal. All denominations uh, these guys have so much good stuff to say. Every theological student or seminary student have studied these guys. And, um, and typically when uh, they think about these guys, they don't think about them as African descent. And, and the fact that we have these amazing African scholars, uh, Tertullian is another one, African scholars who have influenced all of Western civilization, uh, much less the theology of our church that still affects us today. And they said some amazing things. Um, and again, Augustine is sort of uh, famously quoted for this idea of there's a God-shaped hole in people's hearts. It was way more eloquent than that. Uh, but I mean, his teachings and doctrine are just phenomenal. And so this is something I think people don't even really realize is that these uh, African theologians uh, had a profound impact on the church and upon Western civilization. And I think it's just something uh, that needs to be pointed out. And so again, let me bring you that quote again uh, that I thought was so helpful. And this actually came from uh, the bishop before Augustine. His name was Cyprian. He said this, he said, he who does not have the church as his mother does not have God as his father. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Uh, But this is kind of the idea here is that you can't be a Christian and not connected to a church. And I know a lot of people say that. They say, Pastor, I, I, I love Jesus, I love God, but I just can't make a commitment to the local church. Well, it's like, uh, it's like this statement. Or the Bible also kind of refers to the church as the bride. And, and that's kind of like saying to God, God, I love you, but I can't stand your bride, and I don't want to be around her. And how does God feel about his bride? God loves his bride. Uh, You wouldn't take anybody talking about your wife that way, and God doesn't do that. Now, listen, there are not perfect churches. I know it's difficult sometimes to find one. Maybe that's why you're connected digitally, because you haven't found one near you. And again, I know there's a pandemic, and so some of you just may have started coming back to church, and praise God for that. And uh, I pray that maybe you'll make the commitment to be part of this digitally until you can get to one physically, and that's that's fine. The Lord understands that. And so we're going to look at a couple of uh, things here about when you make a commitment and what this means. And so point number one, you can write this down, is when you make a commitment to a local church, it's good for the assurance of your salvation. It's good for the assurance of your salvation. When you make a commitment to a local church, it's good for the assurance of your salvation. Now, let me clarify this because you need to know, and I want to make it very clear, being a church member saves no one. Becoming a member of a church doesn't get anyone into heaven. What gets a person into heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed you from sin, that God has, uh, by his grace, saved you, has made you born again, and you started a relationship with him. And the cross of Jesus Christ, him crucified, uh, his, his righteousness has been given to you and put into your account, and your account has been washed away of all sins. That's the only thing that gets a person saved. So being a church member saves no one, doesn't matter what church you belong to, won't get you anywhere near heaven. Amen? Amen? Put it in the chat. But 
being connected and committing to a local church helps with the assurance, helps remind you and assures you of your salvation. Used to have an old country preacher, and he used to say it like this. You ain't got to be... You ain't got to be a member of a church to be saved. But if you're saved, you'll be in church. And that old country preacher, he said it kind of funny like that, but it was true. A saved person, a person who is truly a Christian, will be in church because it's plain as day when you read the Bible that we are to be connected to a church. We are to make that commitment. Let's look at the text here. This is the passage was read earlier, kind of our main text for today. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says this, let us hold fast, let us hold fast, meaning grip on to, right, um, to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Notice this, hang out there on that verse. Let us hold fast onto our confession, the confession of our hope, of our faith, meaning I confess that I'm a Christian. I say to people, I'm a Christian. And how do we hold fast to that? Because God is faithfully holding fast to us. It's God who is faithful. But this is connected to the rest of this verse where it talks about being connected to a local church. And so a local church membership helps you feel assured. And, and when you hold fast to that, people can help you and, um, and, and bring accountability into our lives and help us know that we are uh, saved and we are truly a Christian, not believing a bunch of nonsense. It's not your private self-made religion. Now, a lot of people do say, well, my, my, my religion is private between me and God. And amen, it is. Um, you know, it, it, it is private and it is personal, uh, but, but it needs to have uh, evidence elsewhere. And, um, and again, we're just talking about what the Bible has to say. John chapter 13, verse 35 says this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How will people know that we are followers of Christ, that we really are Christians? By our what? Love, by our love. And so Christians are to be marked by love, but not just any kind of like um, hippie love, just like floating around and saying peace and love, dude. No, no, there's a love that's directed towards one another. And in this context, um, it is towards the members of the church, the body of Christ. Man, we are to be marked by our love for one another, by other Christians. We're called to love everybody, including our enemies, okay? But in this context, in John 13, he's saying, listen, by your love for one another, disciples loving one another. This is how people will know. This is how you will know. And so it helps. doesn't guarantee, but it helps with the assurance of our salvation. Point number two, you can write this down, is that it's good for others, When I commit to a local church, it is good for others. You become a blessing to others. There are other people that need you. There are other people that need your presence, that need your prayers, that need your smile, that need your phone call, that need your touch. It is a uh, a necessary for others, right? It is good for others. When you make a commitment to the local church, it is good for others. Let's look again at the text. Verse 24 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us stir one another up. Some translations say spur one another on with the idea of like a cowboy boot and a spur. Uh, It also has the idea in the original language in the Greek, this idea of kind of elbowing, using a sharp point to encourage someone. And, And listen, it's good for others because, listen, when we come around 
others, man, we are to stir them up and to encourage us to cheer people on in their faith and say, "Let's, you can do it. Go for it. You got it, man. You can make it to the finish line. I know life is tough. I know you're feeling discouraged right now, but, but I'm here for you, and I'm going to help you, and uh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm, I'm, if I got to pick up groceries for you, I'll do that. You can make it. You can make it in your finances. You can make it um, right now in the situation you're facing. You can make it in your marriage. You can make it in parenting. Like, they're cheering you on. And I, again, uh, I talked about racing earlier, and I don't know if you've ever been in a race, but it helps so much to have a crowd cheering for you. I think one of the best things about the uh, Marine Corps Marathon that I did a few years ago uh, in D.C. was the signs and the, the throbs of people, which will probably never happen now uh, because of the pandemic. You know, we won't be able to gather that many people in one place. But, I mean, they just make the best signs, just encouraging you, cowbells cheering you on. And, man, that helps so much when you're trying to make it on that race. And so it's helpful for others. It's so important. And so, uh, again, the text says, let us consider how to stir one another up. That's our job. Stir one another up. And, and in the Bible, there are over 59 one another commands. Things like teach one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, honor one another. And we could go on and on and on about the one another commands. And listen, how can you as a Christian obey that list of 59 one another commands, serve one another, uh, teach one another, honor one another, forgive one another, uh, be humble towards one another. How could you obey those 59 commands if you're not committed to a local church? Again, if you're just involved and floating around and dating the church, you can't even do it then. You kind of sprinkle by like a little bee and, and, and look for some nectar and then you're off. But when you, when you make the commitment to put some roots down at a local church, man, that's when others benefit. Then thirdly is this, uh, is that it is good for you when you commit, not just involved, when you commit to a local church, it's good for you. I want to share with you a quote written by David Mathis, a writer at Desiring God. He says this, being committed to others shows love. True love is not only manifest in affection, but also in action, he says. And, um, and then also in our allegiance that we covenant to each other. We do not fully love our brothers and sisters in Christ if we withhold pledging our allegiance to them by covenanting with them in a local church life. Love doesn't say, I love these people, but I don't need to covenant with them. Rather, it says, I love these people enough to covenant with them. Stop dating the church. It's good for you. As I said earlier, when you commit to something, it builds your character. Because you know you got to stick with it. And when you stick with it, it starts to develop you on the inside. Again, look at verse uh, 24 of Hebrews 10 and 25. It says this, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. When someone is stirring you up, it helps you become a more loving person. It helps you continue to develop your goodness, your character, and, and have someone stirring you up. Then look at verse 25. It reminds us, right? And let us not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are to encourage one another. We, there's one of the one another's to encourage one another, right? And, uh, and how could you encourage people if you don't know them? You don't know what kind of encouragement they need. But also this. All the more as you see the day appearing, right? What does that mean? That means as we move forward in time, we're moving forward closer to the day when Jesus Christ is going to return bodily to this earth. 
And, and that day of judgment, it means this. As we move forward, things probably will get worse in case you haven't noticed. The times are going to get harder. And you know what you're going to need? You know what I'm going to need as we move forward in time? I'm going to need more and more encouraging. That's why it says, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near, right? We need encouragement the further we go in life. And, um, and the longer we're on this earth, we're going to need encouragement because the times are hard. The days are dark. And so it's good for you to stay committed to a local church, to have people encouraging you. And so again, um, and it says, you know, let's not neglect our meeting together. Praise God, we can meet digitally. And again, uh, meeting physically is, is way more preferred. But listen, this is the way we're doing it now. And, and we're doing it for a variety of safety reasons. And we'll get back together physically. But listen, you can still make this commitment. Some of you made the commitment every Sunday to, to tune in and chat with us and be connected. Some of you have made the commitment to be part of a group. And, um, and that's what we're talking about here. You need more than a Bible in order to grow as a Christian. Did you know that? You need more than the Bible in order to grow as a Christian. You need a commitment to a community. You need to abide in community and not just have the Bible. Because, listen, now, the Bible is the foundation of all of our truth, so don't misunderstand me. We need the Bible. That trumps everything. The Bible is our sole authority over a pastor, over tradition, over any kind of other church uh, treaties or doctrine. The Bible trumps all of it. But listen, saying, well, I've got the Bible, and that's enough, and I talk to God, I don't need a church. That's kind of like saying, I bought the workout equipment, I bought the bench press, I bought the squat rack, I bought the dumbbells, I bought the Peloton, I bought the treadmill, and so therefore I'll be healthy. No, you know what you got to do when you buy that stuff. You have got to put it into action. And you put your faith into action when you make the commitment to love at a local church. And listen, local churches are messy. I'll be happy to admit that, okay? There are imperfect churches everywhere. And I know some of you have been hurt tremendously by churches. And, and listen, don't give up, though, on the bride of Christ. Don't give up on the command of God to make that commitment to his bride. Don't be a body part that's left out there somewhere. Um, you need to make that commitment. It's messy, but it's good for you because it will develop your character. One more quote here I wanted to share with you from uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, as he writes about community. Again, uh, people know him as a civil rights lead leader, but he was a pastor, uh, you know, and, and the foundation of the scriptures is what caused him to uh, become a civil rights leader. But he says this, agape, that's the Greek word for love and a godlike love. Agape, godlike love, is, is seeking to preserve and create what? Community. It is insistent on community even when one seeks to break it. Agape, or godlike love, is a willingness to go to any length to restore what? Community. It doesn't stop at the first mile, but it goes the second mile to restore, again, what's the word? Community. Then he, he goes on. It is a willingness to forgive, not seven times, but 70 times seven, to restore community. The cross, the cross of Christ is the eternal expression of the length to which God will go in order to restore broken community. The cross is all about restoring community, restoring humans back to God, our fellowship, and then restoring us to our relationship with fellow mankind. Then he says this, the resurrection is a symbol of God's triumph over all the forces that seek to block what? Community. The Holy Spirit is the continuing 
um, community-creating reality that moves through history. He works against, or he who works against community is working against the whole of creation. Therefore, if I respond to hate with reciprocal hate, I do nothing but intensify the cleavage in broken community. I can only close the gap in a broken community by meeting hate with love. Why? Because that's God's way of agape love. If I meet hate with hate, I become depersonalized because creation is so designed that my personality can only be fulfilled in the context of community. What a beautiful statement. Again, I know that there is difficulty in churches, but it's worth it to make that commitment. We're stronger together. Satan loves to go after the one lone sheep, right? They're so much easier to attack the sheep when they're by themselves. And, um, and so I have a couple questions for you uh, to kind of evaluate your community relationship. Uh, number one is this. Have you shared with anybody what your greatest joys and struggles are in this season? Have you shared with anyone what your greatest joys and struggles are in this season? So I know that um, churches can be difficult, but it's so worth it uh, because you will improve. And so when you make a commitment to a local church, uh, it is good for you. So let me challenge you to do that. Here are some questions that I want to close with, and then we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. Um, And these are just some questions to think about your involvement in a local community. Have you shared with anybody what your greatest joys and struggles are in this season of your life? Is there anyone you share those things with, your greatest joys and struggles? Do you have that kind of community around you? You need that as a Christian. Number two, are you receiving instruction and encouragement from a spiritual mentor or a spiritual mother and father that you might call someone, um, yeah, someone, even a brother or sister in some discipling relationship? Or are you receiving instruction and encouragement? Uh, are you anyone else's spiritual mother or father or mentor? Um, uh, What community is currently having the most formative influence on your life? What community is currently having the most formative influence on your life, affecting how you talk, think, and behave? Who are you praying for? Then the other side of that is, who is praying for you? Do you have connections to the local community like that? How often do you participate um, in the gatherings online or uh, when they're available in person? Those are some good questions to ask as we navigate this. And as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, again, I want to remind you um, that as uh, a member of Plaza, those of you who would call yourselves members, uh, uh, you know, fill out your covenant. We'll be sending them to you uh, in the mail for those of you who are members. If you're interested in becoming uh, and, and, you know, joining Uh, part of the Plaza family. You can fill out a connection card. Those links will be there, and uh, you can let us know about that. We'll have a new membership class coming up, and love for you to partake in that. But as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, again, hopefully you had a chance to grab those elements. I want to share with you some of the scripture regarding that. And the amazing thing about when we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, or as many people call it, communion, you know what that reminder is? Communion. It's with Union, or back to Augustine, the early church father from Africa, uh, who broke that apart and said it is from the Latin of com, which means with or together, and unis, which means union or oneness. So it's together, together with oneness. There are a group of people that are now communing together. Communion reminds us of our union first with the Father, 
because of what Jesus has done for us, but also reminds us of our unity as a diverse body all across ages, all across geographic barriers, language barriers, culture barriers, ethnicities. The Bible says one day in heaven, every tribe, tongue, and nation of people that love Jesus are going to be celebrating. And there is no uh, way a church is supposed to look, but it is beautiful in its diversity. But we all come together with this union of our faith in Christ. We celebrate that with the Lord's Supper. And so if you're a Christian, we invite you to celebrate with us. It doesn't matter what your denominational background is, you can celebrate this with us. If you're not yet a Christian, well, then we ask you just wait, uh, because there's something far better for you, the actual body of Christ, the actual blood of Christ, which brings forgiveness for your sins. This uh, that we partake in today is a symbolic reminder of the sacrifice of Christ. And so we're going to take first the crackers, and you want to pass those out to those in your home or have them prepared and hold them in your hand. Even as you're holding it, this is a time to reflect, uh, to slow down, to pause, think about the body of Christ that was given for you. I'll give you a few moments just there in the quietness uh, of your own space to do that. And I'll read the scripture from 1 Corinthians 11. It says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread. He took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this together. you'll take the juice or whatever you have on hand to use there, symbolically representing the blood of Christ. Again, from the uh, Bible, Jesus continues, uh, actually Paul writing, uh, remembering the words of Jesus. He says this, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take it together, family. You know, as we close this service, really, it all comes back to Christ. It all comes back to the gospel and Jesus. And if you're watching and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, we just want to continue to point you to him. Why are we challenging people? Why does the Bible challenge people to make a covenant, a commitment to a local church? Because we already serve a covenant-keeping God. Just as we read here with the uh, juice or the wine, the blood of Christ, it says that this is the, the cup of his new covenant, his new agreement. Christ has made a covenant with us, and he signed it, sealed it, and delivered it, written in his blood. That, that covenant is an agreement that God makes. We serve a covenant-keeping God who first covenants with us and says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want to share this one scripture with you from Judges chapter 2. We'll put it on the screen. Judges chapter 2 uh, reminds this about God. It says, now an angel of the Lord went up from Gilgah to Bacham, and he said this, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers, and I said, I will never, I will never break my covenant with you. God says that to you if you are a Christian. God says that to you if you are not a Christian. God is offering his covenant to you. It's up to us to receive it. 
I will never break my covenant with you. He is longing, restoring, desiring to have us back. We have all sinned and broken his commandments. And he says, I'll never break my covenant. You might have broken the covenant, but I won't break my end. And I promise to love you faithfully. We have a memory verse. We memorize verses. That's part of our abiding. The memory verse for last month, January, is from Deuteronomy 7, 9. It says this, right? Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. And he's what? The faithful God who keeps covenant. He keeps his covenant. Keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. Right? And obey his commands to a thousand generations. We serve a covenant-keeping God. And that culminates in Jesus coming to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Because all of us have made mistakes. All of us have uh, broken God's commands and his covenant. And we, we have tossed his great love, his great gift in the trash. And he says, I will still promise to love you. If you've never received that love, we'd love to give you that opportunity. You could start your relationship with God by confessing your sins and believing him. That's the Bible says what the requirement is to be a Christian, to be saved. You don't have to be perfect, but you repent from your sins and you trust Christ. Repent and believe, or we say repent and trust. You might want to say something like this, just right in the privateness of your heart and the quietness of your heart. You might want to say something like this, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I'm sorry for breaking your commands. God, I'm sorry for breaking your commands. But right now I give my life to you. Right now, I give my life to you. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe he rose again on the third day. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, congratulations. Welcome to the family. You're no longer an orphan. <laughs> and, um, and we'd love for you to make that notification in the chat. Reach out to us. There's a little raise your hand there. Fill out a connection card. Say, I prayed to receive Christ for the first time. Why do we, we ask you to do that? Uh, because, again, we don't want anybody orphans. We want to let the family know, hey, this person, and we want to be able to come around you and welcome you. The Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner. One sinner. God comes for one because he's a covenant keeping God. And so may I challenge you to abide in community. How can that improve for you this week? What are the things you can do to make sure you are committed, not just dating, but you've committed to a local church? Again, that may mean making sure you uh, engage online. That may mean you uh, join the team financially and you are giving regularly to support the ministry. That may mean you join a group. Um, there are a number of ways. That may mean you join a serving team and you begin to serve. Uh, there are a number of ways where you can make sure your commitment is sure for a local church. And uh, so we love you and continue to abide in Christ.
Thank you. 